seen your mild days and some of your wild days down where the sand flows and where the champagne flows. You taught me all that a kiss could be. Paris, your judgment was good enough for me. Hello, and welcome to Cinema Gadfly, the podcast where I force my friends to watch films I like. My name is Arik Devins, and I'm your host. I've been making my way through the Criterion Collection for the last few years and posting about it at cinemagadfly.com. I started this podcast so I could get my friends to talk to me about all the films I've been watching. The deal is, if they watch a Criterion film of my choice, I'll watch whatever they want, and then we discuss. Episodes come out roughly twice a month, first the film I chose, and then the film they chose. This month, I'm joined by my friend, the very talented Jesse Char. Jesse, say Hello. Hello. <laughs> I'm very good at following instructions. <laughs> that was that was excellent. Uh, thanks for joining me, Jesse. Uh, the The film I chose for you to watch is 1929's The Love Parade by Ernst Lubitsch, starring Maurice Chevalier. The film tells the tale of Count Alfred Renard, a military attaché for the made-up country of Sylvania. He gets in trouble during a posting to Paris for basically for hooking up with too many married ladies and is forced to go back home. And when he gets there, he finds that his home country, which is ruled by a, a queen, a young queen, she doesn't have a husband, and after meeting him, they begin a rather unconventional love story. I chose this film for you, Jesse, because you asked to watch a musical. And this film was the first Hollywood musical that included narration and songs, and it was nominated for six Academy Awards. So, Jesse, why don't you start by telling us what you thought of the film? Um, well, I enjoyed it very much. I actually, there were so many moments in the film where I was like, ah, this is why he chose it for me. Um, so that was great. (laughs) (laughs) I was, um, the first, like, five minutes of the movie or something like that are, like, pretty much all in French, and I was a little bit worried at first. I was like, uh, what am I gonna do here? And, and then it goes back to English, uh, which, which I end up liking in the end, because I like, I love scenes like that in movies where... Um, where there's a bunch of dialogue in another language, and the whole point is that you just have no idea what's going on, but you just have to kind of, like, piece it out from what's happening. Um, But you can understand why maybe (laughs) watching an hour and 30-minute long movie all in French might be a little terrifying. Um, Yeah, yeah. So for for reference, uh, what Jesse's describing is that there's no subtitles in that part of the movie really, really early on. And I, the first time I saw it, I was also like, wait, hold on. Did I forget to press a button? Like yeah. what, what's going on here? But, but I actually think like you said, like, I think that works really, really well. Like yeah. that it, it's, it's really nice that you, cause they make it work with like the movements and stuff like that. And it gives kind of a, I don't know, like an interesting authenticity in a weird kind of way to like what's going on. I like that a lot. Yeah. yeah. And there's, and I'm going to get like really, let's just dive in right now. I'm going to get really, really good about this, uh, this film analysis thingy now that I'm having all these thoughts so I I like that because it leaves a lot up to the imagination even though it's like you know a moving picture with sound um right and and it I think that it's like it speaks to the fact that like there's still a lot that you can make people imagine even in a film um because there is another a, a musical number like halfway through the movie where the scene is being told through other people singing which I really liked a yes. lot. <laughs> you know, showing you other things that are happening and making you f- figure out what might be going on, um, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. Something else I really like about that first scene with the French is that 
Maurice Chevalier is with a, a French lady who's angry with him because she thinks that he's cheating on her. But then you find out that he's she's cheating with him on her husband, mm-hmm. and her husband shows up, and she fake kills herself <laughs> to get out of the situation, <laughs> which. That's like a really good way of doing that. Yeah. At first I was like, well, that looked really fake. And then it was like actually supposed to be fake uh, in the movie. Yeah. So that was <laughs> hilarious. That was like actually like the one note I had written down was like, that looked fake. And then like five minutes later, it's like, oh, it was supposed to be fake. All right. Well, I'm no genius. But it's a good strategy, right? Because by the time he realizes that she's fake kill herself, he's so happy she's alive that he doesn't care anymore that she was totally cheating on him yeah i feel like the entire plot to like chicago could have been avoided by that one weird trick you know (laughs) someone should do a listicle about that yeah (laughs) in in general you know i chose this film for you uh partially because you know like you like i said you you wanted to watch a musical but also because it's a it's a very light-hearted and fun film but it's also like a very adult film it's very scandalous the introduction of the queen is that, like, she's pretty much just woken up from, like, a sex dream, right? That's what was happening? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then she yes. sings about it. And it remind- her song reminded me of the song in um, the Sleeping Beauty, uh, Disney Sleeping Beauty, uh, Once Upon a Dream. It was, like, it was, like, the adult version of Once Upon a Dream, which I thought was hilarious. Totally. But, like, the whole, yeah, and the whole film, like, I mean, it's very... Uh, this is a pre-code film, and uh, uh, for those of you who don't know what that means, it was before the Hayes Code came into effect, and so movies were much more American movies, Hollywood movies were much more open and much less censored than they were even like a decade later, or even like five years later. I had no idea what pre-code meant. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> right on. So <laughs> this film, you know, it it flaunts authority, it flaunts sexuality, it flaunts uh, immorality. Right, like you wouldn't have been able to make a film about people cheating. Right, even a couple years later, that would have been super no-no. And the film, it's very adult, but not uh, tawdry. It's cheeky. It's like tongue-in-cheek. Like, oh, you guys get where we're going with this. Uh, I love that that first song where, well, it might not be the first song, but the song where they're singing goodbye to Paris, mm-hmm. and um, and Chevalier sings his song, and then the his servant sings a song about all the servant ladies in Paris. Mm-hmm. And then the dog sings a song about all the lady dogs in Paris by barking. Oh, yeah. That was so funny. I loved that part. <laughs> yeah. It's so good, right? Yeah. And you're right. It's tawdry. It's not. I mean, like I said that like the queen like had like a sex dream. Like there's never anything that's even really like steps into the steps over the line of like really innuendo. It's barely even innuendo, but it's. This, the things that they suggest in it are very obvious. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's great. It's it's very well done. And something that I think people have a hard time doing these days because it is like so innocent in a way. Um, there's dogs singing, kind of, you know, which is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a it's a really nice balance between sort of that that you know, that scandalous and that very, very naive. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the, the entire plot of the film is, is, is fairly naive in a, in a kind of way. I mean, I remember thinking, uh, so, uh, you, you know, we try to stay sort of spoiler light on this podcast, but mm-hmm. I think we're going to have to go a little bit into the story of this one. And, and that's okay. I think it's, you know, the story is not really the 
main attraction of this <laughs> no. film. It, it, it's, <laughs> it's pretty it's not basic. the sixth sense or anything. She's dead the entire time. No, there's no big there's no big surprises here. So I thought, um, do you remember the scene? So Chevalier comes back to his home country. He meets the queen. She's immediately taken by him, and they uh, agree to have dinner. And they're having dinner, and they're in her private bedroom. And I'm watching this, and I'm like, oh, I'm getting a little uncomfortable because it, he's basically just like the super uh, experienced guy who's trying to talk the super inexperienced lady into going significantly farther that night than she wants to go. Yeah. It has almost like a like what I thought of was the first scene of kids, which is really super creepy. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that the first scene of kids where the guy is like trying to convince the very underage girl to have sex with him and and it's apparently been like a long conquest and then the minute he does he you know leaves and my thinking because i'm a modern person watching this with modern eyes my thinking is oh these guys a creep he's going to get her to make out with him because you know it's 1929 and then he's going to just you know ditch her because he's proven that he's a lecherous dude and then that's 100 percent not where the story goes yeah yeah well and she's such a surprisingly strong female character um for this being such a long time ago. Because, like, there's also, before that, um, after after she sings about her sex dream, she's, like, taking a sponge bath with all of her chambermaids and uh, and talking about how, like, she doesn't need to get married to be a legitimate ruler, which is great. Um, and, and the scene where they first met, she kind of, like, fucks with him a little bit. Am I allowed to say that? You can beep it out. <laughs> oh, yeah. D- yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, and This will be the first one that has an explicit rating on iTunes, but we're fine. Yeah. Because, like, he's kind of coming on to her, and she's getting all mad, so she rings her bell, and it looks like she's going to have him, like, you know, taken to the dungeon, but then she's inviting him to dinner. It's funny. It's very flirty and cute. I think my favorite had maybe, I don't know, some... So there's, the, there's the two... Um, people the commoners that have their song about being common i don't remember what it is or what it's called oh yeah when the when his servant and her servant sing about how they can get away with being just ordinarily in love because they're common yeah and i love it because one of the one of like the intro lines to the song is we can eat chicken with our fingers and Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. I love that that was like the first or second thing that like the in the woman said it. She's like we can eat chicken with our fingers and I really feel um aligned with her priorities um in life. <laughs> I just <laughs> I just pretty... like how like that's like at the top of her list of like the blessings of a common life. <laughs> finger finger looking good indeed. Yeah. So She's ahead of her time. You, so you bring up a really big point and this is sort of where i was hoping that this conversation would lead which is um this movie both simultaneously was seemed ahead of its time for me for gender and sexism and women's empowerment and at the same time not really Mm -hmm. and so uh, i really i really wanted to talk to you about this and sort of get kind of your vibe on the thing because you know on the one hand, so, uh, again, the story is not the big thing about this film. So uh, the queen falls in love with Chevalier, and then they get married, and then he becomes, like, her prince consort, and he has absolutely nothing to do. He's just 
completely bored because he's not allowed to rule anything. He's not the king. Um, he's not allowed to do his old job that he was doing. He's not allowed to leave. He's not really allowed to do anything except wait at home for her to get home. Mm-hmm. And she's off like in a man's military uniform, you know, directing her soldiers and kind of ruling the country and doing stuff. And he's just at home waiting for her to come home so that he has something to do. And that to me was an interesting role reversal. Yeah. Um, and an interesting sort of take on things. And I kind of wanted your thoughts on that. And then maybe we can talk a little bit about sort of how they play that out at the end because I think it's that's where I got a little bit like well really is this like did they kind of give it up at the end did they kind of screw it up and I'm just curious what you thought I mean I feel like number one I was like just get an iPad dude like (laughs) the the internet were around he would have had no problem but I he would have been good he would have been good to go he would have been cool yeah um and I mean I think that because I also had like the same thought at the end which is, I'm just going to spoil it because I don't care. I don't know who. Yeah, go ahead. Listening. No, please go Which ahead. Which is that like at the end, because he's just like getting all fed up and like wants to leave and go back to Paris. And she's like, okay, well, I'll go to Paris with you. And so she ends up following him at the end of the movie. And I feel like it depends on like which wave of feminism you're talking to um, that would determine mm. like whether or not that's like a kosher ending for feminists because on one hand it's just like uh you know she's following the guy and in the end he's getting what he wants but I also feel like she's getting what she wants in the end it was very established from the beginning of the movie that she is not a woman who's going to listen to other people for the sake of it you know she doesn't really care what other people think of her and um And so I feel like if she, unless she really liked this guy, she would have been like, fuck you, go to Paris. I don't care. I'm the queen. Um, But she didn't. So she did what she wanted. She followed her heart. And I feel like I I feel at peace with that ending, Um, even though he was being kind of a little bitch. But, you know, (laughs) that's how things go. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, totally. I mean, I do think like so. Yeah. So at the very end when and he kind of becomes king and like. It's kind of like, oh, she's just going to be. But at the same time, maybe maybe it's maybe they're going to go for more of a equal thing. It's not really super clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't I do think that everything leading up to that is is really, really, really interesting. And maybe that's just a, enough there because it is a movie basically saying and especially when we talk about um, your film that you chose for me, which I'm not going to say what it is here, but there were a lot of really interesting parallels between the two movies. I think it's going to be really interesting to discuss sort of that aspect of it. But that movie deals with some of these same issues and goes like a very, very, very different way with it. Mm-hmm. And I do think that that she is presented as being a strong sort of independent ruler. And he's presented as being kind of a... He has kind of like a... You know, it's Maurice Chevalier. So he has kind of like a, kind of like a Han Solo, Harrison Ford, I'm going to do and say kind of roguish things but I'm charming so I'm gonna get away with it kind of yeah vibe to him. yeah it's hard to it's hard to I a hundred percent know what you mean um Maurice Chevalier though is like the most ridiculous person in the world like his French right? accent I know that he's a real French person but he sounds like the fakest French person in the world so fake. Yeah, he sounds like the French person that the comedian on Saturday Night Live would be doing as their French bit. Yeah, it's like Bill Hader or something as Maurice Chevalier. Yeah, so it's just funny to like think of him as 
like this dashing, charming man when he just sounds like a joke. <laughs> but absolutely. by the way, I also thought I also thought it was really cool, especially for a movie from this period where they didn't really care much about accents or anything being very like plausible Mm -hmm. that they actually came up with an explanation for why he had a french accent Mm -hmm. (laughs) like did you did you notice that i was like oh my god they actually have a reason in this movie (laughs) and it's a really funny reason right like it's a really funny moment in the film where it's just like oh okay that oh really oh okay because he no one else has a french i mean his his french servant has a british accent yeah (laughs) yeah and i love (laughs) i mean i love like just i mean for that reason, just like any old movies and TV shows, just the the cultural things that they feel like have to be explained versus like the ones now that like where we just like if there's a movie set in France now, everybody just has like a bad British accent um, and they don't. Yeah, really, everyone everywhere really has a bad British accent like that. But yeah, it's funny. Yes. And, <laughs> and every every single human being in the past in modern movies was British, apparently. <laughs> yeah, of course. right like everyone it's ridiculous uh i also did you notice um we're kind of in a grab baggy place here did you notice that when they get to his home country there's like a tourist group and they're talking about this incredible palace they've built and like you know that that there's this incredible collection of art and this is the most important place in this country and all the people in the tour van are just reading the newspaper and then and they're all apparently Americans. And then at some point, the guide says, and it costs, you know, $160 million or it's worth $160 million. And they all go, oh, my God. And then they have to take pictures and they all look at it. <laughs> I didn't catch that. <laughs> but that's amazing. Yeah, it was it was quite a good, like, little random moment because it wasn't really tied into anything about the film. Right. Mm-hmm. It just kind of it kind of just kind of happened. Um, so, yeah, I I think that. I think what you're saying makes sense that ultimately it's about her following the path she wants to follow. And that path may not be the path that say second wave feminism would want her to follow, Mm -hmm. but that, that that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. I mean, they didn't make her a dummy. I feel like for me, whenever I watch movies like that, I mean, aside from like the obvious, like why would that character ever do that moments? Um, it, it, it really is more like about the character than about like their path and their plot. Um, as far as like making a strong woman, you know, I mean, if the character is good and I feel like the plot at least like sends them on a path that seems realistic for them, which this one didn't seem like not realistic for her character. It didn't seem out of character for her to be like, fuck it. I'm going to do what I want at the end of the movie, you know? And like, and to kind of. She, in the movie, like, you know, in the end of it, she's still, like, kind of defying him and what he wants to do. And she's still, I feel like she's still making the decisions for them to some extent. Um, Oh, that's an interesting point. Yeah. That's a really interesting point. Mm -hmm. And so that's why, maybe that gives more credence to the claim that what they're ultimately striving for is some sense of equality. That when he showed up, maybe he was a little bit more like... You know, he was so experienced and she was so kind of naive and then they got together and and so he at that point he was sort of in the power situation in a a sense. And Mm -hmm. then she for a lot of the film, he's completely powerless. Right. She's completely dominating. Mm -hmm. And then by the end of the film, maybe 
you know, he's realized, because he just is prepared to leave, right? He's done. Yeah. And so he, maybe he realizes that he kind of wants and needs her and that, you know, they do that reprise of the song about her. And she realizes, okay, I need to realize that he's a person too. And I'm, you know, I can't just be, you know, Queen Bee the whole time. Like he needs to be, we need to be a little more equal and and everything like that. Mm -hmm. And that, and that's kind of, that's an interesting, that's really cool. I'm going to, I'm going to think about that. (laughs) Yeah, please do. I don't know. I'm just making all of this up. <laughs> I, hey, listen, we're all just making all of this up. It's true. That movie was just made up by a bunch of people a hundred million years ago. Did you know that Marie Chevalier was born in the 1800s? He's so Isn't that mind-blowing? It's mind-blowing. It's so long ago. Yeah. <sighs> so long ago. So long ago. And yet, we still enjoy this movie so much today. Yeah. And I always... It always... Um, I mean, it's weird because, like, when I go to, like, watch an old movie, which, like, I don't do that often, but I don't, I mean, I watch, you know, I'll watch an old classic movie two or three times a year, maybe, and it always surprises me, and it shouldn't surprise me that they're just as entertaining and delightful as the movies of today, Um, because it's just, like, people were just people, and movies needed to be entertaining back then, so it's not like they're going to be boring. I don't know. I just, I always am like, oh yeah, all of those movies are good. <sighs> I forget. Everyone. Well, I, I do think part of it is that we only watch the old movies that are good. Yes. Right? That's that the, also... that, the, that the stinkers from 1929 are long gone. Yeah. And I only watch bad movies that are coming out now. So, <laughs> my oh, bar is so that's, pretty that's low. an interesting, yeah, that's an interesting comparison too. And they, they also, they couldn't, they couldn't hide behind, for you, for the time, they could hide behind special effects because, like, talkies were pretty new. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, people were blown away just by that. But you're watching it in 2015. So if you enjoy the movie, that means that this particular movie didn't hide behind the technology of its time because the technology of its time is of no consequence to your enjoyment now. Mm-hmm. I, uh, and I, I, <laughs> I read a little – sorry, I'm just saying – I read a little bit about the movie and just, like, how, how like, breakthrough some of it was that, like, they did um, – singing and dancing numbers that were like basically like multicam instead of all in one shot because like stitching yes. the audio recordings together was a nightmare and the guy was just like oh we're just gonna do it anyway so that was nuts just thinking about it like that because i mean the affordances like we have the technology right now like you and i to like shoot a technically more advanced film with like with our phones um, not that I can, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's so easy for us. We have 4K us. phones. They we had do. To, they had to work so hard just to do little things, like having, like, different angle shots of a singing scene in a talkie. My goodness. Now we just, like, yeah. just tap our dumb, greasy little fingers on a piece of glass, and it's done for us. It's <laughs> Very well said. And I, yeah. I do wonder, because one, one of the things that I noticed about this film that was a little weird to me when I was first watching it was that there's no sound or there's no like music behind any of the moments that are not songs Mm -hmm. and it's it's funny because that's real life right like that's the way real life is but but in a movie that feels really weird oh and it felt very like quiet to me Mm -hmm. yeah and and because like nowadays I mean that I don't even think that that would happen or maybe it does like a movie with no sound at all but I feel like 
the soundtrack to movies is so like indicative of like what is supposed to be happening in the movie and it's it's like one of those things where it's just like you couldn't be like you could look away from the movie and kind of know what's going on just by how the background music sounds and with this one like you don't have that guidance to know how you're supposed to feel or know what the scene is supposed to be you really just have to pay attention to it like the old-fashioned way yeah like they used to do in the old days yeah right on um so cool um do you have any closing thoughts on this one or anything else you want to say i I, if i think of anything i can bring it out i can interrupt uh the next section of the podcast and let you know (laughs) (laughs) well thank you very much yeah um all right folks well then uh I think that I'm good as well on this one. I'm really glad that you enjoyed it, Jesse. Um, I think it's a, it, it's kind of a special film. It's 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 real fun. I've I've seen it a few times now, and I keep keep going back to it because it's it's pretty 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 good. So um, I'm really excited to uh, come back with you again next time and talk about the film that uh, you made me watch. And so to all of our listeners, uh, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, I knew you were going to ask that. I actually like had some fear about it like right before we started recording. Um, you can find me on Twitter at, at Jesse Char, J-E-S-S-I-E-C-H-A-R. Um, you can possibly find me at jessiechar.com. I don't know if that actually goes anywhere right now, but, uh, but that's my URL. And it looks like it's loading is it there? yeah there's a website there all right jessechar.com <laughs> that's where i can be found very, very cool <laughs> uh listeners that's so true listeners you can find me at cinema gadfly on twitter or at cinemagadfly.com and apparently all podcasts are required to ask you to go and rate us on itunes or review us or you know whatever and that's cool if you want to do that that's cool so Uh, Thanks, everybody, and uh, we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Oh, it's wonderful being common. (sighs) Oh, man, the love parade. I remember when that movie came out. Mike Myers is a love doctor from India. I mean, Wayne Campbell barely got his love life together for himself. Now he's showing advice in a toga? But Garth isn't very happy about this.